Welcome to the Mac Geek Gab Show 915 for Monday, February 21st, 2022. Greetings, folks, and welcome to Mac Geek Gab. The show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We take your tips and questions and cool stuff found. We share them. The goal is we, well, we try to answer your questions or at least get the conversation started about your questions. We share your tips. We share your cool stuff found because the goal is that each and every one of us, we all learn at least five new things every single time we get Together, sponsors for this episode include kanji.io slash mgg. LinkedIn.com slash MGG, where you can go and post your first job for free. NewRelic.com slash MGG, where you go get 100 gigs of data free forever. No credit card required. And Truebill.com slash MGG, where you can save thousands per year canceling your your forgotten about subscriptions. We'll talk in depth about each of those a little later in the episode here for now. Here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in balmy Fairfield, Connecticut. This is John F. Brown. And here in also Bami, Lee, New Hampshire, is uh, Pilot Pete. Uh, thanks again for having me, guys. But thanks it for isn't going to be Bami for long. We're going to lose 40 degrees today. I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, at least it's windy. <laughs> it, it, but it's a warm wind at the moment. Yeah. It, I think yeah. that'll shift. Yeah, it's weird outside. And and quite frankly, it's weird in my studio. I had band practice in here last night. And uh, with it being 50 degrees two days in a row and band practice, it's not um, it's interesting in here. I'll just put it that way. It's it's a little bit it's balmy is a is a nice word for the way it feels in this room. But, you know, it's fine. We're professionals. We'll rise above sultry. it. It's sultry. There you go. Uh, and also, you guys don't have to be in the room here with me. So, you know, that's even better. The miracles of modern technology, which which we think started in 1673 on on this date when somebody was named the I.T. general of 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 Amsterdam or something. I don't know. Uh, what I do know is that we have a ton of quick tips today. So we will start with the first one from listener Bob, who sends in for ages. I've tried to find out how to type a degree symbol on iOS. I looked online. I looked on Apple support all without success. I know how to make one on Mac OS. It's option zero. So I put one in a note, open notes on my iPad because they sync across iCloud copied it to the iPad clipboard and made an iPad keyboard shortcut out of it. Okay. That is like, he's got a better way of getting there, but that's a great hack, like a brute force kind of, you know, way to use, you know, whatever he made his keyboard shortcut, maybe he made it comma degree or something, you know, and and then it just changes it to that. So that's, I I like that. That's smart. He says, dovetail that when you get a chance. Okay. uh, I'll finish his thing. And then, and then, yeah, we'll come back around. Problem is that notes, messages, and mail all at a space, both in front of and after keyboard shortcuts. Ah, interesting. So instead of getting 98 degrees, I get 98 space degrees. Recently, I accidentally discovered that if I switch the iPad keyboard to numbers and long press zero, I get the degrees symbol without any extra spaces. It would be so nice, he continues, if Apple support had a graphic on the website that showed all the extra symbols available for both macOS and iOS keyboards and how to get them. I agree. But that's the key is no pun intended. Hold down zero and then you can choose the degree symbol. So, yeah. 
Okay. Craziness. Pete, you had a follow-up on that? So Yeah, well, I do. A, a dovetail to that is uh, there are several keys uh, in iOS that if you long press, you get m- multiple options in there. Uh, I happen to use that for my passwords because who's mm-hmm. using those, right? Right. Um, makes, makes your password just that much harder to guess. Uh, I would add the caution that I have found that uh, there have been times when I've tried to set up a new uh, iOS device. It wants my password from my old one, and it isn't it isn't quite acting right yet. So I would change my password to set up a new iOS device, then go back to uh, whatever password you're using. But as Dave, if you're watching the screen, Dave's demonstrating it there. You can get the umlaut, the sidil, the accent grave, santé and a whole bunch of other uh, accents. <laughs> yeah, Pete's here for the tips and the accents. I like That's it. Right. That's good. That's good. That's good. I am world traveler. <laughs> My dog does not bite. <laughs> that is not my dog. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. Cool. Good uh, another way to see this stuff. So if you uh, if you go to a system preferences input sources or no system preferences keyboard input sources. There's a show input menu in menu bar. And if you add that and then say show keyboard viewer, it'll show you the keyboard. But if you hold down some of the modifier keys, it'll show you the extra characters you can get. So Uh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. I'm not fast enough to show that on the screen. And since we're mostly an audio show, I'm just going to keep, keep rolling, but yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. It's totally right. And then on, uh, you may have just said this, John, and I didn't get it. I I, I was gone. I'm back now. Uh, Sometimes if you hold down the option key, uh, this is in Mac OS, hold down the option key and then hit like the E it'll come up with an accent and then Mm. you hit the Mm. E or, or any other key. It'll put that accent over that, that character. Yeah, as long as there is a character in the set with that accent, like you can't yes. put an accent over a Q, for example, right. on macOS. But it, yeah, you do Option E and then say U, you can get an accented U on yes. uh, on macOS. That's right. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. All right, uh, Greg has our next quick tip for today. He says, um, "You might know this already." Well, that's the thing about quick tips is once you know them, you know them, but not not until you do. Uh, he says to recognize any song playing on the iPhone from any app, including while watching a movie in, for example, Prime Video or Netflix. Let's say you hear a great song while watching a movie on your iPhone or iPad and wish you could quickly know what song it is without leaving the app. This works while using headphones, even as the microphone is not required to recognize a song that the phone or iPad is actively playing. And how you do it is add Shazam to your control center. And then while watching the movie and the song is playing, swipe down control center and tap the Shazam icon. It will recognize the song fairly quickly. He says, I suggest to tap on the three dots in the top right of the screen to choose where to add it to uh, Apple Music, for example. So you can go add it to to your Apple Music library. He says, if you choose to save it to my music, we'll add it to my, my music in the Shazam app. Otherwise, it doesn't automatically save it there. Yeah, that's pretty good. I didn't I never realized that you could do that with. Uh, with with songs that the iPhone was playing and that it would would do it without using the microphone. That's pretty that's that's a good little quick tip, Greg. I did not know that. That's this is awesome. Great. Yeah, I've often tried to do that, like with Spotify and it shuts Spotify off so that I can listen. Oh, but I wonder. You know, like, yeah, if you put it in the control center, I bet it'll. Yeah, that's the key. Exactly. That's the key. And their database is amazing. I was on some like 
Sinatra channel or something like that on XM the other day. And, and I was recognized the tune, but it was in French and I couldn't figure out what it was. Despite and your accents. Just, yes. Yes, that's right. And, but it, it turned out to be uh, across the sea or, or sailing, whatever with Bobby Darren, except this was the original version in the 1930s. Mm. It pulled up the guy's picture and everything. I mean, in, in a half a second, what wow. a database they have. It's crazy. Well, they use the music genome database, I I, I think, yeah. and they may use others too, but I, I know that when they initially created Shazam, it was it was the music genome uh, database. And it was you, you I know I've told the story on the show before, but it's been a little while uh, the way I saw the first public demonstration of Shazam. Okay. It was at WWDC and there were there was an event uh, in person and it was never live streamed. It was never recorded. So they say uh, and it was called Stump the Stump the Geeks, Stump the Geeks, or do we call our thing Stump the Geeks? I think it was called Stump the Experts. Sorry. Yes, it was called Stump the Experts. And it was a, a, a very irreverent game show between the audience of several thousand people and the stage of about 30 people, most of whom were either current or former Apple employees. And and uh, Mark Harmon and Fred Hux, Huxtel, Huxum. Fred Huxham would were the hosts. They were, as I said, irreverent. It was late night and uh, you could the audience could earn points in certain ways or the the experts on stage could earn points in certain ways. And it, it always was rigged so that the experts would win. And that was, you know, that was fine. But it was fun. And it was the last event of, the I think, the second day. Usually the event preceding it was the Apple Design Awards. And then there was a 30 minute break in between the Design Awards and the uh, stump the geeks, stump the experts event. Stump the geeks is us. Stump the experts is them. Yeah. And uh, and if you knew that because you'd been there before to listen to the songs that were being played in that thirty minute break, you could. And there was always obscure music, right? Intentionally obscure. You could, if you recognized one, you could go up and earn the audience a point by saying, I would like to recognize the song. But this was not announced as part of the game. You just had to know from being there prior years. Okay, great. So, but again, fun, you know, inside baseball stuff, it, you know, it made it a community. It was amazing. And so this one year I'm sitting there watching, enjoying, having fun. And this one guy goes up and says, I'd like to recognize a song or I'd like to identify a song. And, uh, and Mark Harmon says, uh, okay. Uh, which one? He says, well, all of them. And then he proceeds to read down a playlist of names and artists, most of whom I had never even heard of. Right. And Harmon's on stage like, OK, you, you know, somebody's punking me. He's like, who gave you the playlist? How did you do it? And the guy says, no, no, no. I wrote an app. Now, this was the first WWDC after the iOS SDK came out. Right. So it was the you, you couldn't release apps yet. Right. But right. you could de be developing them. And this guy had written what we all now know as, as Shazam. And he had sort of explained it briefly. And, you know, I mean, the room erupted in applause. And of course, he earned us, you know, however many points it would have earned the, the us, yeah. the audience. And I, I'm sure it didn't matter in the end. We lost anyway. But um, <laughs> but that was the like that was it. And it's just amazing that, like, look at how this is being used now and look at the one reason the guy wrote it like he did not. You know, he wrote it to win that moment of of, you know, his his yeah. 15 seconds of fame <laughs> turned out pretty good for him because Apple wound up buying the tech, obviously. So, yeah. 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 I don't know. So I know we're on. Uh, 
we're we're off the rails. That's the second one. <laughs> That's the second one, and we're eleven, twelve minutes in. So All right, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, John, you want to take us to our our third quick tip of the day that aren't so quick today? Yes. Um, Well, this one sounds quick. Okay. Uh, So Mark says, I think I may have inadvertently discovered a cool thing found. I had to babysit a download in Safari, and often it would require refreshing the download to continue, but I did not want Safari to completely dominate my iPad screen. I wanted to do other things, too. In the download window in Safari, I tapped the dot, 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 dot in the top center and selected the download to switch over to the right screen. Then I just ran another app to switch to. Safari stayed floating on the screen and I was able to babysit the download. Then if I wanted to switch back to Safari, I would tap the dot, dot, dot on the floating Safari window and selected the full screen version of it on the left. Wow, it's like a light went off in my head and I suddenly got it. Or at least I think I got it. <laughs> cool. I, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I need to get better with iOS, iPad OS, sorry, multitasking. I know that's what it's called. I, I don't know that I like that term for it, but, you know, multi, multi apps up at the same time because the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the iPad and the iPhone are always multitasking. There are things happening in the background. It's, it's, our ability to to have multiple things visible to us right but regardless of the language it got a lot better in ipad os 15 with the ability to to, with those three dots right because now you don't have to know the magic incantations you can tap the three dots and it will you know baby step you through that process which which i really like and obviously it needed to be there because we would always i would always forget and it turns out i'm not alone which is good at least in this regard so, yeah. Have you used multitasking on iPad OS much, John? No. Okay. I've used it at times for like, if I'm doing something, but need to keep an eye on like a, a messages chat or something, I'll, I'll, you know, sweep that in. Or, um, I, I guess I've used it when writing something, you know, creating notes and, and wanting to bounce back and forth between like whatever I'm crafting and safari for example to look things up or you know find stuff so but i don't do that often on my ipad i usually grab my my macbook air if i'm if i'm going to be doing that sort of thing but yeah i did when i had my ipad pro you know obviously that larger screen is more yeah more conducive to that yeah 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 exactly i'm an ipad mini person so that probably explains it yeah it's like i'm i'm, I'm running on borrowed real estate as it be, as it is right so yeah. when i left my office job i sold my ipad pro it, it, it was a hard thing to let go of too mm. what a great machine i would i would have that as my sole computing device if it, if it was just a little more versatile yeah in being able to download yeah and convert and, i can see that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um We've got lots of quick tips. I'll, I'll share one more, then we'll, then we'll share a couple of our, our sponsors with you, and then we'll share even more quick tips. Uh, Python 2.7 is going away uh, with macOS 12.3. This is something that Apple deprecated years and years ago. Deprecated means we are telling you that it will go away at some point in the future, but we aren't taking it away yet. Uh, everyone expected it to be Mac OS 13 coming out, you know, beta in June, presumably release in September. It is now happening in Mac OS 12.3 beta right now release imminently, perhaps. 
And this is going to break some things for sure. Uh, a lot of developers have relied upon having Python in Mac OS. There is a very good reason for Apple doing this, in my opinion, and I, I, clearly they agree. Uh, many things for which people use Python are built with Python 3 in mind now. Uh, if you were taking a Python class, you would almost certainly want to be running Python 3. The transition from Python 2 to Python 3 was a mess for the Python team. And I don't think they're going to do it again. Like, I don't think there's going to be a transition from three to four or anything like that, but I could be wrong. What do I know? Uh, I'm just a guy with a microphone, a podcast, and I don't even have a website anymore. So, uh, it, but 2.7 is different than three and 2.7 has been built into Mac OS. Basically, I think since it's, you know, inception or some version of Python two, and now it's 2.7. And it can be very confusing because you go to the command line and you'll type, you know, Python main.py or something, and then it crashes and you're like, oh, right, I have my Python as Python 3 main.py or whatever. And so Apple decided, yeah, we're causing too many problems by essentially bifurcating this for – we have Python 2.7 for everyone, and then except for the people that actually use Python, they have to install their own and deal with – us, you know, shoveling this legacy thing into their into their laps. We're not going to do that anymore. So that's why they're doing it. However, there are some apps out there that rely on Python because it's a very powerful language. And why wouldn't you? And of course, if you're going to release an app for Mac OS in the past, you if you could get away with using two seven, you would. And that way you knew that it was there and you didn't have to bundle it with your app or anything like that. Developers will now have to bundle whatever flavor of Python might work for them with their apps, uh, and they will have to do it real fast. So don't be surprised if there are things I've already gotten emails from There's some this home automation software, Indigo, I want to say Iridium. Uh, I don't know what the name of it is. It begins with an I. I think it's Indigo. Let's call it Indigo. Uh, and they sent out a thing to their mailing list, like, be careful. I, we don't we aren't we aren't sure when Apple's going to release this. So we can't tell you that we're going to be ready with our update that patches this. We thought we had a whole lot more time kind of, you know, those, those types of things. So uh, you may not know what apps these are. Um, hopefully developers will tell us, uh, but they haven't. Apple hasn't given developers a whole lot of heads up that like the end of life is is happening. Like it, it, this is a surprise to a lot of us. Um, it's a good surprise in the long run, but. And it's many years overdue, in my opinion. But still, you know, the very end was sudden. You know what would be nice when they do the update to the OS systems, though, that you at least got to notice, like, these are the things that may break. So you could make that decision more informed whether you want to upgrade your OS or not. And they they do. I mean, it, okay. it will be in the release notes that Python 2.7 okay. has been removed at and because it's there in the beta release notes, so there's no yeah. reason to think it would be, you know, hidden. But the problem is you don't I don't know. You don't know what apps we rely on that use Python. Right. That's the right. issue is this, you know, like, right. yeah, like, OK, great. Like, but I don't develop those apps. <clears throat> Pardon me. Evidently, I've developed something, but it's not an app. And so uh, that I think that's the issue here. So, yeah. Yeah. No, interesting. Yeah, if you go to the terminal and you type Python, it says warning, Python 2.7 is not recommended. Like, okay, thanks. Right. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> thanks Apple. Yeah. And you can figure out uh at the terminal, I think if you type Python, is it dash capital V? 
John, um, I, I always screw this up. Yeah, Python dash capital V is a space. Python space dash capital V mm-hmm. will show you what version of Python that is invoking. So on, on mine, that says 2718. If I do Python 3 dash V, I get 3910 because I've installed Python 3 with Homebrew. There's um, mm-hmm. some stuff that we do. So, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, the next thing I'd love to do is talk about our first couple of sponsors. First up today is Kanji, K-A-N-D-J-I, because as an Apple admin, the more you let your users control which apps are installed on their devices, the better for you. And Kanji's self-service app lets you do just that on both iOS and macOS for all the devices that you manage. You get to show your users a curated list of apps that you've selected, but they can install on their own. And then you can customize that self-service app with, you know, your own branding, your help text, your software categories. Kanji is a device management solution for high growth businesses that run on Apple devices. A new Mac can be transformed into ready for work computing with all the right apps and settings in place very quickly, very easily, and exactly in the ways that you want. Because devices managed with Kanji keep themselves secure. Apps are patched, macOS is updated, security controls are enforced without active management from your admins. This is huge. You can also use Kanji to enforce the installation of security tools like malware bytes. So if a user or bad actor deactivates those protections, Kanji can restart it and even reinstall it if needed. Kanji wants to hear from you about how you need to use them to make your business run better. Go to kanji.io, K-A-N-D-J-I.io slash M-G-G for a free demo and trial. Kanji.io slash M-G-G. Please go check it out. They want to hear from you. Kanji.io slash M-G-G. Our thanks to Kanji for sponsoring this episode. How many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars long after you've forgotten to cancel? Forget about forgetting about them. Just forgetting to cancel is crazy. You can now fight back against scammy subscriptions with our sponsor, Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, you don't want, or like I said, those you simply forgot about. And On average, you know, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. And this is because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. This is why Truebill exists, because they make it incredibly simple. All you do is just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there so that when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions, you don't have to. They just take care of it for you. I've been using Truebill for a while. I've said this a couple of times. And it works exactly like this. Like it's it it couldn't have possibly been easier. And it did. It found some subscriptions like on the TMO stuff that we had here, uh, you know, in the transition that honestly, I don't know if I ever would have remembered about them because that's how it goes. Trouble found them. Trouble got rid of them for us. Fantastic stuff. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now. Truebill.com slash MGG. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, Another quick tip that came up this week was I went to I've upgraded the studio iMac is now on Monterey. And the upgrade, quite frankly, could not have gone any more smoothly. Like, 
all I did was do the upgrade. And it was like, yeah, everything just works. It's great. Like I didn't even, I remember when you did yours, your, some of your audio devices got re-enumerated or whatever, John, mm-hmm. I didn't, I, I mean, I checked cause I knew that that had happened to you. That didn't even happen to me. Super smooth. I mean, he says podcasting actively and not knocking on wood yet, but I will. So, um, but I did notice that, uh, on this machine Xcode would not upgrade and it wouldn't upgrade because it was saying that I had no free space. And I was like, well, I mean, like, okay, why? And I looked and it was like that classic scenario of, okay, of the one terabyte drive that I have on this machine, I can see about 600 gigs used and then what's happening to the rest. So I decided to go and look at my snapshots uh, on in carbon copy cloner and sure enough. So on, on carbon copy cloner, you go to volumes, uh, you go to the slash there, the dash data volume of whatever, uh, you know, whatever your boot volume is and, uh, and then go to snapshots, not related tasks. And here you can see all of the, uh, all of the snapshots that exist on your uh, on your drive, you're not going to see them on the non data volume. Uh, I guess I guess there might be some there, but I don't think so. Uh, I don't think they have the the ability to uh, to see those, but they do get to see them on the data volume. And the um, the way that it th- there's an interesting thing because you'll see snapshots for. Uh, time machine but then you'll also see snapshots for things like that carbon copy cloner has put out there or things that you have manually put out there right and it will start to it will when you pull this screen up it takes a minute and then it will show you the size of each of these you can go in and delete them from here which is huge in carbon copy cloner but the interesting part was at the bottom of the screen where you get to control the expiration policies for carbon copy cloner snapshots. And I noticed that my drive had 30 gigs free uh, and it has always had 30 gigs free for months. Like since Xcode wouldn't update. Now I don't do any real development on this machine, so it didn't matter to me, but it was sort of a, you know, a, a thing that niggled at my brain. And sure enough, I looked and the free space requirement on carbon copy cloner settings was 50 gigs or 30 gigs. I've now changed it to 50 uh, because, you know, I, I wanted to have more, but um, you can you can set how it expires snapshots, including time machine snapshots, uh, and then also what the minimum free space is that you would set for uh, for it to you know erase until it gets you to that point. And that's why I was sitting at uh, at thirty gigs because that's evidently what it was set to by default. Once the sizes come up on your screen for all the snapshots, you can sort them by size. And start to see, okay, what are the ones that are taking up, you know, all the space for me here? And I, I had some on this machine, John, that were like, you know, 12 gigs, you know, 15 gigs worth of snapshots. And so I was like, all right, well, let's get rid of those. And, you know, and, and now I think I've got, I don't know what, what it's telling me. I've got 140 gigs free, but it, but carbon copy cloner will tell you, you know, for example, on this machine, I've got 220 gigs used just from snapshots. Um, you can also see snapshots now in disk utility, but you don't have quite the same ability to manage them. So just for what it's worth. Pretty interesting, though, huh? 
Anybody? Am I alone here? Chirp, chirp. <laughs> sure. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Cool. Great. Well, that's awesome. I'm going to play with that later. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. The problem was I put something on the screen. And so, I, you know, I'm one nerd talking about it, but I have two nerds with me that are looking at the screen being like, oh, what's this interface? So <laughs> I understand why you were silent, but yeah. yeah. <clears throat> All right. So. That is uh, that, that's that's how I would manage snapshots these days. And it's a good place to look, especially if you're having that issue where, you know, the volume is just unexplicably full uh, would be the would be the trick there. So but it worked as soon as I deleted the snapshots, the space was free. I was able to do Xcode and obviously Monterey installed just fine. Uh, but I figured it was a good time to to go through and mess with that before before it was there. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to give that a whirl because I noticed as of late, my uh, MacBook Pro only has like 30 gigs free. You run Carbon Copy Cloner? Like 10 times that free. So, yeah. 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 Well, 30 gigs is the default for Carbon Copy Cloner. So, it sounds like you have exactly the same scenario as me Mm -hmm. because Time Machine will, will create one per hour. And and then Carbon Copy Cloner starts expiring those out, uh, you know, per there's there's rules for how long to keep hourlies, how long to keep dailies, how long to keep, you know, the the, the larger ones, that, that sort of thing uh, out in there in the uh, Carbon Copy Cloner window. So, you know, it's a good place to look. I like snapshots. I wish we could do more with them. I'm digging into this with with Mike Bombick. There is no way certainly not a way with carbon copy cloner to and i don't have all the details so i i I don't want to go too deep here but there is no way to say restore to a a snapshot in time like you can with every other os right you you can't go and say okay well you took a snapshot on you know february 7th just roll me back the whole system roll me back there's there's no way to do that with with carbon copy cloner recovery mode is a way to do that um it, or in fact is the only way to do that you go into restore time machine in there and and you can do it there uh but like carbon copy cloner can't do it and and they, the carbon copy cloner can't even make a clone of the system volume or a snapshot of the system volume it can only make snapshots of the data volume i think I, again i gotta get all the details but there's 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 Oddly artificial limitations to Apple's snapshot implementation if you're used to the way snapshots work on other modern file systems. And it's not a limitation of the file system. It's a you know security, for lack of a better term, limitation imposed by Apple limiting how you can use the feature of the file system. Because it'd be really nice to just be able to say, oh, hey, I, you know, I installed Monterey, disaster. I want to roll back. And and I think I probably could with, with recovery mode and, and time machine there, you can choose a snapshot and, and roll back to it. But, um, but it's not, it's not where it is on other OSs that the utility of it is not quite the same. So we'll, we'll keep digging into that with, with Mike and see what we didn't they recently change it with, uh, was it after Catalina or Monterey where they changed it? It, it, it basically broke, uh, Carbon copy cloner and yeah. super duper. And yeah. They, had to, they were good about working it out. Uh oh, Dave, you just froze. I did. Oh, you're back. Well, not for me. So, yeah. Um, yeah, they, it did, it broke the way that you could make bootable clones of 
the um of the OS. And I hear that that utility, which is like uh, AP APD or so, I don't know. It's the, the utility that Apple provides that super duper and carbon copy cloner can leverage to do those, those, um, yeah. th- those clones. It, it breaks or is changed. That's another one of those things that changes in 12.3. So there may well be a, you know, again, <laughs> yeah, I, at this point, may, maybe maybe the the sort of meta message here is at this point, I am not in a rush to upgrade to 12.3 when it comes out. Normally, a new, you know, a point release of, of Mac OS comes yeah. out. I put it on right away. Uh, I am not currently uh, of the mind where I would do that. And certainly I'm I, I'm, I'm traveling, hopefully traveling to Mexico next week uh, for a couple of concerts. And I definitely would not upgrade my laptop uh, if it happens to come out on Tuesday, let's say. Definitely not going to do that on Tuesday before flying on Wednesday um, because I need to be able to do some work, unfortunately. Eh. Actually, it's not unfortunate. I lead a charmed life I, I, I and I, I make all my own choices. So it is not unfortunate. I am I am hugely fortunate that I get to go to Mexico. And one of the ways I get to do that is by being able to stay on top of things. So it's good. Technology is grand. Uh all right. Brad has a quick tip for us. Speaking of nuking and paving, were we speaking of nuking and paving? I don't know. Brad says, uh, I have a quick tip that y'all and the listeners might find useful. As you know, M1 Macs have changed the recovery environment significantly. Gone are the hotkeys at startup, such as command, option, R, command, option, shift, R. And the recovery environment is accessed instead by pressing and holding the power button at startup and selecting options or double pressing and holding the power button for fallback recovery. I didn't know that one. See, hmm. this is the, right. So there's a quick tip. All documentation that I've seen thus far uh, has stated that there is no more Internet recovery for M1 Max. Also stated has been that to reinstall macOS with a version other than what is on the local environment, you can obtain the IPSW file and boot into DFU mode. Sound like an iPhone? Well, yep. Uh, connect to another Mac with a Thunderbolt cable and restore the IPSW with Apple Configurator. All of this is indeed true, and you can no longer boot into a separate internet recovery environment like you could with Intel Max. However... If you boot an M1 into recovery, wipe the disk with disk utility, connect to the Internet with Wi-Fi and reinstall Mac OS, you will get the current version of the OS downloaded over the Internet, not the version that you previously had. For example, I did this very thing yesterday and on a machine that had 12.1 with the procedure just described, I got 12.2.1. This is likely due to a transition from the recovery environment going from a partition to a volume. Though this thought this might interest you and everyone else. Yeah, that's brilliant. I had no idea that you could sort of shortcut internet recovery on a uh, on an M1 Mac. That's fascinating that it like if it's doable, why don't they just put it up front and center? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I that's that's one of those that I, I'm, I need to put a big star by that for for myself, because like it makes perfect sense. And it's right. a, it, you know, it's a pretty logical path. You go in, you wipe it with disk utility, you connect to Wi-Fi, reinstall. Where's it going to get it from, right? So you're good to go. But it's nice knowing that it has worked for at least one other person because wiping a disk on an M1 Mac, wiping the boot disk on an M1 Mac 
is something that still sort of scares me right now. Just a little terrifying. Just <laughs> mildly terrifying. Yeah, exactly. Just a little terrifying. Says the pilot in his calmest yeah. voice. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what aviation is. Mildly I mean, terrifying. 1% boredom, 1% sheer terror. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I guess all your training is 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 to, well, that's A. Your, that's your 1%, you hope. <laughs> well, and also to keep it 1%, right? Like, right. so, exactly. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, John, or are we uh, moving on to Donna? Um, no thoughts at the present. Okay. Get an M1. Yeah, that's right. We're going to get you on an M1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Donna, back to uh, more shortcuts on the iOS keyboard. She says, this might have been mentioned on the show before, but it was new to me, so it's got to be new to somebody else. Absolutely. That's what these are all about. Another hidden Apple feature that I didn't know about, she says, when using Safari on iOS, if you want to enter the full name of a website, you can hold down the period and the options uh, of things like .com, .us, .net, .edu come up. So you can skip from having to type .com, .us. So just type whatever, you know, Mac Geek Gab, hold down the period, and then choose .com, and boom, Bob's your uncle. I think that's the first time I've ever said Bob's your uncle on this show, 17 years. So, yeah. You know what you don't get? What don't you get? Dot org. Yeah, you Seriously? do. You get dot org. So. It's right there in Donna's screenshot even. But, but okay. well, now. I've tried it before I thought. Now I'm going to have to look at it. Yeah. Now you're now you're making me think I need to, to check it out. I don't know. All right. Hang on. Let's uh, let me pull out my phone here, Pete, because this is this is an interesting the thing. Wrong keyboard. Now I've got the wrong keyboard up or something. Well, trying to, that's going to be interesting. Oh, that's why it was trying to. Search. Yeah, it, it's there. It's there. So, I mean, it's, you know, so if I type in Mac Geek Gab and then I hold down the period key, there's com, net, edu, org, and US. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because yeah. uh, I'm, I'm having a hard time here with it. You know, Interesting. Hard. Don't worry about it, everybody. <laughs> That's right. I'm just, all I'm getting is the period and the ellipsis. So I don't know what I'm doing. Are you in Safari? I am. Oh, in the URL bar. Yes. Down at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that if that's where you choose to have yours, which is where I choose to have mine. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Brian Monroe thinks if you're using a third party keyboard, you might not have that. So, do you uh, Well, I have a third party keyboard, but I'm trying to use the English one. So mm. the, the, the one that is default. Go figure. Yeah, I'm on English US. Mm. All right. Oh, well. Yeah, I, I believe you. Oh, I found it. I found it. Okay. Well, wait, wait. wait tell Dot us. Dot org is now there. Dot org was not there before. Okay. What did you do to get it to not just show you the ellipses? Um, I, I, oddly enough, um, I'll hold it up here for see the the. Yeah, let me get it in front of the camera. Most the, people aren't going to see it, so just describe is it. On the right, yeah, those that can't see it, I'm looking at my iOS keyboard. The period is to the right of the space bar, right? Or it was to the left, and when I and when it was over to the left, and I don't know, I think that was like a Bing search or a. Oh, you were on or a custom a search thing. or something like that. Okay. And it wasn't, at, although I thought it was in the URL, it was not in the URL. It was in a search got, window. Got so I swiped the bottom over until I got to, I was sure I was looking at a URL. A fresh tab. Yeah. But gotcha. I remember many, many times years ago th feeling kind of left out because I have a .org domain and right. always had to type. Right. Interesting. So I think, I think relatively new. Huh. All right. Sorry. Another rat hole. No, it, this is what we do on this show. This is fantastic. I love it. No, it's, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's, um, it, it is, it is good. Um, 
I found two. One is that I um I pin tabs in Safari all the time. I have I have about five or six tabs pinned, meaning they are they live on the the left of my Safari URL bar on all of my Macs. Uh, it's great, and the rightmost one remains the same. The leftmost one remains the same. In fact, they all remain the same except two of them are dynamic in that they are the current episode of Mac Geek Gab, the, the prepped, uh, you know, the, the agenda in progress and the next episode of Mac Geek Gab. Uh, of course, after we record this, it becomes current and past for a few days until I roll it all around. And it's a new document. We use Google docs to do this. Currently we could use anything, but that we use Google docs and, uh, and so I, it, it means that I have to constantly drag the new one in like this morning I created 916 and I needed to pull that in as I pulled 914 out. And what I usually do is I go up, I right click on the tab for 916 and I say pin this tab and then it puts it as the rightmost tab, but I don't want it to be the rightmost tab. So I drag it one to the left and then everything's fine. And today, instead of doing that two step process. I attempted a one-step process. I just grabbed the tab and moved it into the realm of pinned tabs and it pinned it and it put it right where I want. So the, the pinning happened automatically by dragging the tab into the, the mix of other pinned tabs. So I didn't need to tell it to pin it. It, it, inf it inferred that correctly by me putting it over there, which was great. So it saves me a step. It's one step a week, guys, 52 steps a year. Right. For well, the price of a cup of coffee, you can save a life. Wait, no, I'm not Sally Struthers. Uh, yeah, that's what I got. I don't know. You guys got anything else on that one? Just another quick, quick tip. Go. Speaking of pinning. Evidently, this is the quick tips episode, folks. Right. Was, Who yeah, knew? Sorry. Which is in, uh, in messages. Again, many people already know it. You can pin uh, contacts in messages. So I never have to go hunting for when did my wife send me that message? that yes. address, whatever I needed, you, you just pin it. So her messages are always at the very top. Yep. You hear that, honey? <laughs> <laughs> I keep yours on top. <laughs> yeah, I have, I, I think you can have nine pinned in messages oh, and, yeah. th and that pinning syncs amongst all your iOS 15 yes. and Monterey devices. Oh no, I might even. Oh be. no, I don't think it does. The pinning doesn't because I only on my iOS have my wife's uh, pinned, and I have like six or seven pinned and messages on my laptop. Um, Pete, you might have a syncing problem because well, for, my my watch thinks so. Yeah, it, you're there, there are many there are many symptoms to this issue that you have. <laughs> this is number two. Uh -oh. Yeah, because on mine the pinning it syncs to all. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and if I change it. Um, cause I've got, I have six of them pinned. I've got, you know, we've got a family group chat. It doesn't matter, but I've got six yeah. of them pinned and, um, and they, they sync around, but, but I, like I've, I've seen people with nine of them pinned. It, they, they are in rows, columns, rows, rows of three. And, uh, so, or columns of three. I Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Cause on Mac OS, I have, I have seven pinned and my phone only has one. Yeah. Interesting. Uh Oh, Rot roll. <laughs> Brian8944 in our live chat at live.macgeekab.com uh, notes that you can pin groups too. So yes, that's absolutely right. It, it, anything in messages can be pinned. It does not have to be just a, a uh, one-to-one message. It can be a group message that's pinned. It's super helpful. Uh, you know, we, 
like I said, we have, we have actually, we have a couple of family groups and then I have each of the three members of my family pinned up there. So, yeah. And if you want to join us, visit uh, com slash calendar and you can subscribe to that calendar and then you'll know when we're recording and you can, uh, you can join us and in, uh, in the chat room. If you don't want to, or can't join us in the chat room, of course, feedback at com is where you can send in all of your questions, your tips, your cool stuff found, and we will do uh we will do everything we can to help you with that stuff because mm-hmm. clearly that's what we do. Did I hear you right, Dave? Did you say feedback at MacGeekGap.com? I, I think he said feedback at MacGeekGap.com. Let me adjust my earpiece. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right. I think we have one more quick tip left, but I could be wrong about this. We're going to do at least one more. We'll talk about a couple more sponsors, and then we either are going to get to your questions or we're going to get to more quick tips. I don't know. The next quick tip that I have here is I have uh, no great surprise to anyone. I have my uh, different microphones on all of my computers. Well, my fixed computers, you know, the, the desktop machines. And every time that I go to do a FaceTime audio or a FaceTime video call or any kind of FaceTime call with audio on my Mac, it doesn't even show me my USB microphone that I have plugged in shows me the internal mic in the, in the Mac and maybe the one in like my LG display or something, but it does not show me that microphone and nor does the person on the other end hear me through the, my preferred microphone. Uh, They hear me through one of the, you know, ones that happens to show up in the list. One of the items in the list though, is use system settings and my preferred microphone is in is set that way in system settings. The way to get FaceTime to do this, and this is this happens every time, is I go into system settings, I change the microphone away from the input device, away from whatever mic I am on, aka the one I want to use, and then I change it back to the one I want to use, and then boom, FaceTime audio is happy. I don't know why this happens. It's bizarre to me. But that's how it is. Every video chat I do. I'm assuming it's happening during audio chats too, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. So... So I share because I know that we all like to uh, we all like to get these things right. We like to sound good. We like to look good, too. But it's more important to sound good. I think it is better to look good than to feel good. You look marvelous. marvelous. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And with that, I would love a lot of age related stuff there. Yeah. Kids ask your parents. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So uh, questions coming up. The next thing I would love to do is talk about our next couple of sponsors. Look, if you're a software engineer, you've been there. It's nine o'clock at night. You're finally unwinding from work. And then your phone buzzes with that alert. Something is broken. At this point, your mind's already racing. What could it be? What's wrong? We've all been there, right? You know, like, oh, my gosh, is the server down? Is it a router? Is it just an engine like the database engine? What, what is it? What is causing this alert to appear in my life at nine o'clock at night? Now everybody's scrambling. You're looking from tool to tool, messaging person after person to find out what's going on. And then, of course, to fix the issue. And that won't happen 
if you get our sponsor, New Relic, because New Relic combines 16 different monitoring products that you'd normally buy separately. So engineering teams can see across their entire software stack in one place. More importantly, you can pinpoint issues down to the line of code with New Relic. So you know exactly why the problem happened and then you can resolve it that much more quickly. And that's why the dev and op teams at places like DoorDash, GitHub, Epic Games and more, you know, like us here too. We've used New Relic at times. Like in the in the heat of what we were doing with Mac Observer, New Relic was super helpful to us for being able to do exactly that. That that line of code thing, it's freaking amazing when that error happens and or the slowdown happens and it tells you. That next 9 p.m. call is just waiting to happen, folks. Get New Relic now before it does. And you can get access to the whole new Relic platform and 100 gigs of data free forever. No credit card required. Sign up at newrelic.com slash MGG. That's N-E-W-R-E-L-I-C dot com slash MGG. Newrelic.com slash MGG. And our thanks to New Relic for sponsoring this episode. All right. Look, it's a new year, but it's feeling harder than ever to find and hire the qualified people you need, especially for small businesses like all of us. That's where LinkedIn Jobs comes in. They make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. We used LinkedIn Jobs last year, right? Like right at this time, because we hired Sadie. She came on board at the end of March. Right about now is when we started this process and we started using LinkedIn Talent Solutions. It was amazing how many people we got, how smooth the process was. You go, you create a job for free. It takes just a couple of minutes on LinkedIn Jobs And then not only does it reach your network, but it goes beyond your network to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. And with LinkedIn jobs, you get to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience, and you can use screening questions. And this is huge, folks. This is the difference maker here. One of them, at least you use these screening questions that get your role in front of only the most qualified. And then LinkedIn jobs has these simple tools that let you quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and eventually hire. And this is why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. And did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash MGG. That's linkedin.com slash MGG to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode. All right, John, it is question time. Let's go to Father John, shall we? Uh, We'll do. Excuse me. So um, uh, Father John needs some help making a shortcut to mount four of his drives that are on his uh, Synology NAS. Excuse me. Yeah, it sounds like like you've developed whatever I developed. It's, uh, it it must be the, the weird change in, uh, in humidity out there, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, there he is. Mr. John, feeling better. All right. Take it away, man. All right. Um, all right. So he has, uh, some network drives on his uh, Synology. Um, and he noticed that on the last show, he taught, we talked about create a start the day macro to launch our, all the apps. I thought maybe I could get help to do something similar with a shortcut. Um, he has them set up in his, uh, login. Um, so if you put, if you put a network drive 
in login items uh, in system preferences. I think it's user and groups. Yeah, yeah user and groups and then login items. Uh, if you didn't know this, now you do. Is you can put network drives there and it should mount them and, and that's good. Um, here's the problem, though, that concerns me. Um, sometimes they disappear overnight. Hmm. Um, and to get them back, I have to go to the go in the finder, then connect to server, then choose each drive to get the show up. Um, it not only brings up the drive icon, but also the drive window. I would like to only bring up the icon. Then I have to do it all again to bring up the next drive. I would like to have all four show up with one key combo. I have not done anything with shortcuts, but did 10 years ago, made an automator script for something I don't remember. Um, is with my Latin from seminary. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Um, so could you help me conjugate a verb or two? I mean, I know how to make a shortcut to mount the drives from my Synology with a key combo. Um, this, Dave, was an opportunity for me to play with shortcuts, which I really haven't. Oh, all right. Yeah, there um, you go. Sure. So my first concern is the drives falling off the network. I don't know why that happens probably when his concern. machine goes to sleep that that's a pretty this is a pretty common problem to solve i've i've had to crack this nut a few different times a few different ways over the years but yeah network drives will go away and not necessarily come back when you wake from sleep yeah yeah i mean sometimes usually if if i have a network drive mounted and yeah i put the machine to sleep and then i wake it up it'll temporarily put up a little dialogue saving uh, server connection interrupted i think sure and eventually it reestablishes it Yep. And annoyingly, that window doesn't seem to go away on its own. You actually got to click on it, which to me is yeah. terrible. Ain't modal um, brand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what he's doing uh, makes sense. So, yeah, system preferences, users and group login items is, is I think, the right way to do it. Um, but, hey, let's create a shortcut to do it. So I decided to give it a try. It's uh, I never really dove into it before, Dave, and it's kind of – an unfamiliar interface. Um, but if you start up uh, the, the shortcuts app, go to file, new shortcut, you then, it, that'll let you create a new one. Um, and then here's the fun part. Well, what action do you choose? And, well, uh, there's a search field. And if you type in the word server, you should get a match to an action called connect to servers. And, it's as simple as that. And you, you type it in and, then, you know, they prompt you for this, but you got to type it in kind of a weird way, like SMB colon slash slash and then the IP address and then maybe a, a, a share number. And then the shortcut connects. And I verified this. Um, I also like automator, though. Um, so create a new whatever, like an app or a workflow or something like that. And then... Uh, their interface is a little nicer in that you see library, files, and folders, and then there are a couple of uh, actions there like ask for servers and connect to servers. Um, and the other thing is, you know the keystrokes, so I'm not yet a keyboard maestro user, but I'm wondering if you could make a keyboard maestro macro or script that could also mount all your drives. So the answer to all of these is yes. Um, the, the shortcuts thing is interesting. Uh, I had not ever used it to do this because I'd solved this problem on my Mac before I had the access to shortcuts, but it certainly seems like it would work. And you're right. You search for server and then you can do connect to servers and, and drag that in and, 
order it however you want, and it theoretically will work. I haven't tried it because I don't want to mess with disconnecting a network drive uh, only mm-hmm. to have to reconnect it. Uh, but one thing that came up in the pre-show that I wanted to make sure we didn't miss was that you said, well, I created this thing, but I don't like I have to launch the shortcuts app to trigger it. I can't put it on the desktop. And and that is true. You can make a Siri trigger for it. Uh, you can make other automation style triggers. But what we did find in pre-show uh, to put on the list, you know, to turn this into a quick tip, not so quickly, uh, is that if you go uh, while you're editing a shortcut on uh, the Mac or iOS, you know, your shortcuts are synced between them and you can actually make this control from an iPhone, even though it's going to affect your Mac, go up to the details, which on the Mac is a, a little button in the upper right. And you can choose to pin in menu bar for this shortcut. And then a shortcuts menu appears in the menu bar and you can choose it from there and it'll be, you know, whatever you've, uh, you know, whatever you've named your shortcut and you're good to go. So, uh, I, like that, that part works. You asked if this was doable with uh, keyboard maestro and it is, and this is how I've solved this problem over the years. Keyboard maestro is uh, a great way to do this because it, it, I don't know, it just, it, it has access to so many more things. So I have a uh, mount network shares. It's to mount shares on my disk station. It's pretty much exactly what, uh, what Father John is looking to do. And I've got it up on my screen here. I'm happy to share this with anybody that emails in at feedback at MacGeekGab.com. But since most of you aren't watching, uh, the idea is I've created a macro in Keyboard Maestro. And with Keyboard Maestro, you set triggers and you set actions. And so for me, the trigger is uh, there are multiple triggers. One of them is if I, and I put in my network share, I have shares called DS movies and DS audio and things like that. So I said, look, if the DS movies share is unmounted, I want this macro to run, which would keep it mounted. Even if something, you know, decides to unmount it. I also have a trigger to run at login. And lastly, I have a trigger to run at system wake. So that has solved my problems over the years. This was finally the thing. And then the actions are, very similar to what you do in shortcuts, although a, a little bit more, um, a little bit more complex, is uh, to mount the server. And one of the things I make sure is that I only try to mount a drive if it's not already mounted. So I have an if statement in my keyboard maestro macro that says, "Hey, all the following things have to be true." And one of them is that the drive is not mounted. And then the other is that my IP address is on my local network because my keyboard maestro macros are synced to all my Macs. I don't want my laptop going nuts when I'm traveling, trying to mount a shortcut or a, a network drive that is not local to it uh, and failing and then telling me that it's failed. And that's a wonderful thing. So it's, I've, I've, you know, I've got some, some conditionals in here, but if all the conditions are met, then it's a very simple, just execute, you know, mount the, the, the drives and you're good to go. So, Yeah. Keyboard Maestro is uh, it, that's how I do it. But shortcuts would work. It's a manual thing. I don't I don't know that there's a, a way to trigger a shortcut based on whether a drive is mounted or not. But I haven't dug into that. So maybe there is. I don't know. There certainly could be. But it's fun. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And as of late, I don't know if there's something wrong with one of my uh, if it's a bug in the OS or something. But as of late. 
I've been getting errors saying, um, you didn't eject your time machine destination properly. So don't do that again. It's like, I, I didn't eject it. Interesting. But your time machine is a network drive, right? Yes. Hmm. So it had some, I mean, this is the problem with network time machine stuff, right? Is that mm -hmm. network drives can fall off for known and un predictable and unpredictable reasons. Whether or not they are known is sort of immaterial. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Interesting, interesting. All right. Um, yeah. Pete, you got anything to say about any of that? I, no, I do not. Okay. No. All right. Okay. We will go to Simon then here. Thank you, Father John. Good question. Uh, Simon has a weird issue with his iCloud documents. He says, uh, I've got two Macs, two desktop Macs. Both are running Monterey 12.2 and are logged into the same Apple ID. Okay, good. The syncing of my desktop and documents folders is not working between the two Macs. I know that they are both syncing to the cloud, as when I look on my iPhone in files into iCloud Drive, I have folders called Desktop and Desktop 2. The second one contains the desktop from the second desktop machine. Uh, he says, any ideas how I can get them to sync the same folders and be the same on both machines? So what you want is how it's supposed to work. Uh, so that's good news. Uh, I did some searching about this, John and Pete, and... I found some people reporting this desktop two folder having appeared. Uh, there weren't really any. Here's how I solved it. Uh, follow ups to these posts. So, you know, I can only go with what my gut says in that, you know, what would I do if I were there next kind of thing? Uh, and so the first thing I would do is I'd make backups of both of these because, you know, you don't want to lose your data. Uh, and then I would. I think actually the next thing I would do is detach the one called documents Two. you know, whatever Mac that is, figure out which one that is. Look in the, you know, use your iPhone to look in the, the iCloud folders and figure that out. Detach that one from iCloud drive, right? Uncheck the, the documents folders. It may offer to put them in an archived folder for you. If it does great, let it just let it do whatever you want. Then I would go into iCloud drive and, I'd probably delete that documents to folder from the iCloud drive just so it doesn't try to reattach to it in the future. Uh, but you could rename it, but I would do something to it. And then I would just go back in and, and re-enable documents and or desktop and documents syncing and see what happens. It should offer to merge them together for you because the contents will be different. And in theory, that's what you want. But uh but it, but like I said, make those backups first. You might have to detach both from the uh, from, you know, iCloud drive and then try it again. You might have to log out of iCloud and log back into iCloud. iCloud syncing syncing in general is hard. It's just how life is, you know, with especially with conflict resolution. Syncing is super easy. Conflict resolution is hard part. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you've probably done some of this stuff, John. Right. I mean, it's conflict resolution. It, that's that's where you that's where you earn your money. I think. So, uh, I don't know. What do you, John, you have any thoughts on, on uh, other ways to attack this? Mm, no, never had it happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, it's a weird thing, but you know, it's, I, I mean, I haven't had it happen either. I've had plenty of syncing things happen over the years. And so that's, that's kind of how I would, that's how I would approach it anyway. So. Yes, I am apparently having now. So. 
Yes, Pete. Yeah, Pete, you're having problems you didn't know you had. That's right. Right. Well, yeah. now I'm writing down three symptoms. So. Oh, yeah. what's your what's the third <laughs> symptom? If you would care to well, share. Um, uh, well, it was, the, it was that uh, the whole Apple Pay thing is that my wallet is not syncing on the. Oh yeah. On the it's on my laptop when I, you asked me but pre-show I think it was about yeah. the Apple Pay card and I went to look at it and I said well okay it's it's not there but I've obviously never set it up and I clicked uh, you know I'll tell you exactly what it says yeah um, I, I clicked on the uh, system preferences and wallet and Apple Pay and uh, it's like oh okay add a credit card so I do I go to do that and it comes up and says another user is already using Apple Pay on this Mac. Uh, my personal laptop, I think I'm the only one that's ever used it. So as far as you know. Yeah, there's there's no other uh no other users uh on this on this Mac. In fact, I don't even think normally I set up a troubleshooting account and I haven't even done that um on on this particular one because I was uh bad not following the <laughs> interesting uh, good practices. Yeah. yeah, and then it's not syncing the pins, and then the, the other one is uh like the the Apple the wallet is not syncing boarding passes to my watch. Usually when I go to get on an airplane, my watch is always going, Hey, you know, you're yeah. getting on an airplane, here's your boarding pass. Not there. So um, but I started look, okay, well, what do I do for the for the Apple Pay? Yeah, you know, and it says, Well, you can uh set it up, go in and uh uh reset it. Oh, Basically. and wipe, wipe well, out what's there that during the show. Yeah, no, so yeah. I'll see that if that helps show. after the show. But uh, I have a feeling there's some syncing issues going on. Yeah, you you might need to just log out of iCloud, reboot, yeah. log yeah. back in, and maybe maybe yeah. that'll get it back around. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. All right, you want to uh, take us to Jeremy? Keep us posted, please, Pete. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, John, you yeah, want to keep, um, keep us po- or you want to keep us posted on what's going on with Jeremy? <laughs> Um, another problem with drives. Yeah. Uh, they're just piling up right and left. Um, Jeremy says every evening when I try to eject my external drive from my MacBook pro 13 inch 2020 running Monterey 12.1, I get this. And what he gets is a dialogue that says the disc music and photos wasn't ejected because one more programs may be using it. Um, and the options you get are try again, cancel, and force eject. Um, so music and photos is an external drive with, guess what? My music and photos on it, but there is no app running that is using Apple's photos and or music apps. I've checked activity monitor and can see nothing obvious. The apps that are running are numbers, mail, things, black, or slack, <laughs> uh, airmail, BusyCal, and bear. Wow. It's a note-taking app. Bear is. Oh, okay. Yep. Never heard of it. All right. Um, You know, I've gotten this dialogue every now and then, and while, okay, looking at Activity Monitor uh, makes sense to see if there's an app running. Yep. Um, There may not be anything obvious. Uh, What I think is happening, Dave, is that there's some background process that's fiddling with the data on the drive, and that's why it doesn't eject. For sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, you could poke around an activity monitor and look for any process that ends with a D. Those are typically uh, background processes or daemons or demons, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, yep. You could run LSOF from the terminal. It may be able to show you what process is talking to the drive. Um, uh, the output is a bit to slog through, but maybe with a grep filter like the name of the drive, you may be able to find what in fact is holding on to that drive. So, um, 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And LSOF um, and grepping for the name of the drive would would absolutely be a way to go. Uh, I do the same kind of thing. I have my photos uh, and my music on a drive. I don't call it music and photos, but otherwise almost exactly the same thing. And I am almost certain that it is iCloud that is causing this and iCloud mm. photo library doing this. Yeah. If you search activity monitor for photo, not photos, uh, you will see cloud photo D photo mm. library D and photo analysis D among others. Mm -hmm. And those three are the ones that are going to, if you dig into them and look at uh, the, you know, uh, open files and ports, you will almost certainly see it pointing to things on your external drive. Uh, and so it, it, it's these things you, you can shut down or you can force quit these processes, but they'll come right back because that's how iCloud is built to work. It's built to be running all the time. So you really can't, eject a uh, a drive that has your photos and, and music on it uh, without logging out and logging back in as a different user that that isn't attached to those drives for iCloud photos. That would that would really be. Will the, it prevent the logout, though? No. Oh, OK. No, no. I mean, I it'll because it'll shut things. You know, when you log out, it shuts down processes. Right. Okay. And, and so that's that's really there's what, been the occasion I've had that go, you know, hey, you can't. It won't shut down, but process has prevented you from shutting down. So that's sure. what my question is. Yeah, I got it. No, it shouldn't. It, I mean, he might have a different problem that causes that. But but yeah, yeah, this alone, no, no. But yeah, my guess is that's what it that's what it is. So yeah. I mean, got the things. fourth option. Yank the cable. Well, shouldn't do that. Do well, not yeah, I would force that. eject before I yank the cable. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So so my one question is why are you ejecting that drive? I mean, right. do you need to? Right. And the other is force eject. I don't know if I, in theory, that could mess things up. My experience is that when I do a force eject, it has not, as far as I know, damaged anything. Mm. So um, that's what I got. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought force eject was to tell the drive, hey, stop reading and writing and, and shut down in your current state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but right. I think they warn oh. you if you click on it. It's like you know, hey, watch out, man. It's you yeah. know, this could really mess things. This up. This could mess things so. up. Yeah. 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 And it will. I mean, if all it is is cloud photos D, it won't mess things up. I and I can say that because I've done this many times where I I had an issue where I forget. I know I solved it, and I know we talked about it on the show, but I don't remember what I did to solve it. But anyway. I had a drive down on my office Mac that was just falling off all the time. And it was some, you know, connection order thing or something. I don't know. And, and it, it's the one that, that has these on it. And all I would get was a little error that says, you know, you shouldn't disconnect your photo library, but it, it never, like it, it never caused irreparable harm. There were times where I would launch the music app and it would say, you know, re-indexing your library for five seconds or something like that because it, you know, had cratered in the midst of uh, of whatever it was doing. But it never caused me irreparable harm. Doesn't mean that it won't, but I, that I probably had it happen 50 times on that machine. Well, I mean, because it was a it was a chronic issue. And so. I had, to, I had to solve it and it, it is solved now. It's I, yeah. Like I said, I forget what I did, but I don't know. I did something power. Uh, I don't know. What I do know is that 
Our fun times have come to an end. It's been a pleasure, gentlemen. It's been fun. It's been fun with everyone. Uh, you folks in the chat room have been very active today in, in helping us. In fact, so much more active, uh, so so active that I uh, have missed a lot of the comments, which is, you know, we're doing a show. So, I mean, I get that a lot of it is you all chatting amongst yourselves, but the, the real-time feedback is fantastic. So thank you for, for everybody who has been, who's been doing that. It's been fun. It's been real. But I don't know if it's been real fun. No, it, it has been real. Yeah, I think it's been real fun. Yeah. Ah. I think it's been so much fun. We should do it again. What do you think? We'll do 916? Sure. Next week? Yeah. yeah, we'll do it in a week. Whatever. Sure. Something like Big that. Big fun. Big fun. That was a band, wasn't it? Wasn't that the band in a movie? Was that the band in the movie Heathers? Mm-hmm. Am I wow, right about that? good. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It's amazing was... how that filing system in the head sometimes pulls stuff up. But yeah. then there's stuff you want to remember. No chance. No chance. <laughs> but you want to know the name of the band in Heathers? I got you covered. There it is. Yep. Yeah. Served it right up on a platter for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A good movie. Very uh, subversive, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And the, um, the, 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 the theatrical adaptation is also fantastic. <gasps> oh. Yeah. I've never seen, seen it. I've, I've seen it only on a fairly small stage i have not seen it like in a big you know uh, mm-hmm. huge theater but uh, but it, i mean it small stages can be great like you, the shows can be better there because yeah. you get you know that intimacy and yeah it was fantastic and what is your damage <laughs> <laughs> all right well you i think that's that's the been the theme of the episode well that or quick tips so figuring it all out all right thanks for hanging out with us folks Thanks for sending in all your stuff to feedback at MacGeekCab.com. Go check out MacGeekCab.com slash merch to get your MGG t-shirts, which John modeled for us throughout this episode. So watch the video on YouTube or just at MacGeekCab.com if you want to see John doing his modeling uh, for us. It's got Don't Get Caught on the front and the MacGeekCab logo on the back. So MacGeekCab.com slash merch. And uh, yeah, we'll see you... uh, We'll see you next time. Make sure to check out our sponsors. MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors is where you can go and see all of the active deals. NewRelic.com slash MGG, as we mentioned. LinkedIn.com slash MGG. TrueBill.com slash MGG. And Kanji.io slash MGG. Pete, you got us into this mess. John, can you get us out? I'm going to get us out and make a suggestion to all of you in these trying times is don't get caught. Made up.